The podcast you're about to listen to is part of the Professional Casual Network. To find more podcasts like this, please check out professionalcasual.com. The Professional Casual Network has gear. Check out teespring.com slash store slash professional casual for fresh new swag. Also, every month we're going to be giving away any one item to a Patreon backer at the $5 tier or above. Check out patreon.com slash professional casual for more information. Also, a special thanks to Built Bar for sponsoring the show. To get 10% off your order and to help support the show, use code PROFESSIONALCASUAL at checkout or use the link in the show notes. I also want to give a quick shout out to our friends Alexa and Cynthia at the Within the Pages podcast where they talk about specifically YA fantasy, which is what we're talking about here, what we're telling here. They focus on reviews and kind of deep dives into YA fantasy. The third episode was a really cool one about just things that they had read or recommend or they were going to read soon, which was really cool to get an idea of what other things are out there if you're into fantasy and just cool stories. So check out Within the Pages with Alexa and Cynthia. What's up? What's up? Episode 17 of Big Fiction Energy. Uh, uh. Means there's only three left after this one. Yeah. That's crazy. Right? Yeah. With a capital K. I'm going to be sad when we're done recording this. The episodes will live on the internet probably mostly forever, but yeah, we won't be recording but the I, show anymore. Until the great internet wars of 2075. Yeah, they'll probably be up there. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I'm going to be dead by then. Are you from the future? No. You precog? Nope. Your precognition, you can see the future. Mm-mm. How do you know about the internet wars of night of whatever you just said? I downloaded it. You can just download it. There are other time travelers that have just put it oh, up for download. Oh, okay. Yeah. I feel like they should be helping a lot more than they are. Then oh, they well. So it's like an MLM thing. Like you can pay to be in certain tiers, then you can know, you know, Sounds which like teams are going to win the World Series and uh, certain lottery numbers. But it's just. You end up paying almost as much as you'd win. And then after taxes, it just is kind of not worth it. I mean, I, I see how that would be really expensive because I'm sure it took a lot of money to create time travel. Right. Like that's a lot of R&D. Yep. A lot of D goes into it. That's for certain. A lot of development. Yep. We had a lot of developments last chapter. Yeah. The D was huge in the last one. <laughs> and the E was huge. Yeah. Big fiction energy. The energy. Of the fiction. Right. It's big. Oh, that's what I thought you were going with. Yeah, the I'm e. going. I'm, yeah, yeah. It was rock hard, yes. too, with that ogre. Yeah. Girthy. That's a girthy ogre. Yeah. Woo. Yeah, for He's sure. He's a thick boy. He was described as being like four and a half meters tall. I don't know how to math that one, but that sounds like it's probably more than four feet a tall. A meter is like 39 and a half inches. That doesn't help. It's over three feet per okay. meter. So three feet a meter. A little more. A meter's there. a yard. A little bigger, but more or less. Okay. Why? You'd be pretty. Why pretty can't close. the entire world just change and adapt to America? No, the imperial system's no, so bad. No, Why no. can't America just be more like the because rest of the world? No, a lot of ways. Because the rest of the world is already trying to be like us. They're learning our English, not the Queen's English. So they might as well I learn our, our our measuring systems too. Because what other <sighs> unit of measure am I supposed to have other than inches? Centimeters. No, what's a better. centimeter? Does it wear khakis? <laughs> no, that's a primal centipede. 
Are there primal centimeters? <laughs> no, but they use that system in this world. Oh, that's dumb. <laughs> this is a dumb world. Well, it's also fantasy setting, so that's right. probably why yeah. I'm using it. Dan was really excited. Uh, Lily's math work in second grade when they were doing measurements, they were using... <laughs> Why not a major? <laughs> they were using like centimeters and meters and stuff, and he was so happy about oh, she it. She had like little centimeter cubes that she would measure yeah. things with, and that was like, yeah. So now she tries to give like rough estimations of like distance, and she's like, "Why did you see I ran like a meter?" And I was like, well, "You ran a lot more than a meter." Yeah, she doesn't get the the larger the larger distance. scales of it, but well, so it's the equivalent of a mile then. What like two and a half kilometers? That kilometers. I ran two and a half kilometers. No. You run five Ks and stuff. You do. You actually know how far kilometers five K are. Five Ks, three point one miles. Right. You're. It's a metric system is objectively a better system. How? Give me th- fifteen ways. Fifteen. Right now. That's that's my usual. Oh, tactic. I've heard no reasons. You're not even started on <laughs> I the want first fifteen. An annotated bibliography of your sources as well. And Wait, why Latin? Why not? Huh? I mean, if it's so much better. You want to go and say Latin is better than modern language. You just said, why don't we use millilatins and kilolatins? And you? kill Greeks. Oh, yeah. You guys are the worst. Why the have you do this? Actually, Ajax killed a whole bunch of Greeks. That's why he's tough on Greece. <laughs> right. You just remember. Is that why they chose that that's name? Why they chose that name. Yeah. Is that really? Yeah. That's very funny. Because if it's funny. not, it definitely should that's be. Literally that's literally the tagline is Ajax is tough on Greece. Right. That's so yeah. funny. But they spell it the other way. Yeah, they they spell it in the way that doesn't piss off a country. <laughs> right. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> I loved Ajax in the Troy movie. I think he was played by a wrestler. I think it was the same guy that played Sabretooth in X-Men. Tyler Maine. Uh, Triple H. No. Oh. I forget his name, but he was cool in that movie. He, wore, he wielded like a maul, big hammer, just spun it around. Ajax was a Spartan, right? Or Roman? I don't know. He was a, a Greek. He fought against Troy. Oh. Yeah, he worked with, um, what's his face? Agamemnon? No. I love that name. Maybe him. Odysse- Odysseus. Odysseus. Yeah. Megalogwanodon? <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know who was Odysseus in that movie? Odysseus over here! <laughs> it was Sean Bean. Oh, so it was he amazing. He died then? No, because the, I always wanted them to make, I wanted, like, in the, the Troy, I wanted that director and that style to then have a sequel of the Odyssey with Sean Bean as Odysseus. It would have been amazing, but they never did it. He killed 28 people at Troy. Who did? Ajax. They know down to the number? That seems a bit ridiculous. He's a mythological hero. How do Ajax? they know exactly how many people he killed? 28 seems incredibly low. Who cares? Uh, Ajax was also very implemental in the origin story for Deadpool. I knew you were going to find a way to bring it to comics. I couldn't remember who Ajax was, but not yet. Francis. Did you guys know Tyler Maine played him in Troy? Oh, my God. <laughs> I got his name right. The same guy that played Sabretooth, right? No, it's In H. X-Men. Why do you keep saying Triple H? Because I always thought it was Triple H because he was a big, tall, blonde guy and he was a wrestler. And that's all I knew. So I just assumed it was Triple H. I don't know if he was well-known wrestler, Tyler Maine. I never heard of him outside yeah, he of was Sabretooth. An X-Men. Yeah, Triple H was well, pretty well-known. <laughs> all right. Shut up, Tim's phone. Yeah, I need he, to figure oh, out how to yo, turn that off. He was born in Saskatchewan. How cool is that? A Canadian. Oh my God! Do you want to know what his real name is? Tyler Maine. Triple yeah. X. Tyler Maine's real name. Triple H is Daryl Carolat. <laughs> what? No wonder he changed oh, it. Wow. Daryl. 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 Go take Carolat. <laughs> <laughs>
That's oh, pretty okay. rough. All right. I'm getting anxiety. What's your stinking question for Why this week? Why do you guys week? always get so... As soon as we finished the last episode, Tim was like, all right, what's the next question? I was like, I, you'll find out. And he's like, Ugh. oh, I gotta know. This isn't a bad one. I, I like, don't think. I like to prepare and I can't prepare for this. No, I never let you prepare. <laughs> Pulled pork and cheese. <laughs> oh, that sounds delicious. All right. So conversation didn't lead into it this time, which is fine. Doesn't do that every single time. I said pulled pork and cheese. <laughs> like literally what conversation does that yeah, not lead but into? We, we are telling a fantasy story here. I like to think one of the reviews on Amazon says that this story twists typical fantasy tropes into something different and new. But thinking about fantasy stories, what is your favorite typical fantastical race? I mean, I mean, Tim's is obvious, right? Hobgoblins. <laughs> <laughs> You are playing a hobgoblin in the D and D. Hobgoblins are actually my favorite race. Really? Yeah. Uh, so orcs for me, I don't like the dumb savage orc. I think they're uh, not well written, and they're just kind of used as like a thing over there that attacks sometimes. Uh, in Warcraft, they have um, very uh, intelligent tribal democratic orcs, and those are the orcs that I like. And in D and D and stuff like that, the closest representation of those would be hobgoblins. Okay, so you like the like the D and D five E. The hobgoblins that are very mil- militaristic. Yeah. Um, Pathfinder 3-5. The hobgoblins really throughout throughout that have always been a very lawful society. Cool. I feel like I should have known that, but I was going to guess orcs. But that makes sense. With yeah. Your explanation. So it depends on the on the um, on the property. Okay. Sometimes it's orcs, sometimes it's hobgoblins based, but they mean the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I've always the face you're making. related heavily to like halflings <laughs> and their love of food. <laughs> and I like that a lot. But and I, hairy feet. And hairy feet. Um, elves are cool, though. Like D&D elves. Even okay. with their weird faces. That's rude. They always look like they're smelling farts. Like <laughs> because everybody else smells really bad. And they're just like, oh. I and mean, that's probably true. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I always liked the like elegant features and aquiline noses and crap like that. Okay. They're cool. I kind of thought you were going to go elf. Yeah. I've always had an issue with elves, not because of elves in literally any type of media, but because of people I grew up with that really liked elves and they would like grow their hair long and act really hoity toity. And it's just like, you're wearing the same Jinko sweatshirt you've been wearing for the last three weeks. Right. Yeah. Like <laughs> you're, not you're just an elf. You're wearing elf ears. You're just a weirdo. Knock it off. Right. Like, like the people who get the little pointy bits to put on their actual yeah. ear. Like what if are you, you wear doing? Those while playing a role playing game and you're an elf. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. They really get into the character, uh-huh. but just like to wear them all the time. Like, I mean, you do you, it's not going to hurt anybody, but it's right. It's, it's like, like okay. the next step up from the kitty ears. Like the little kitty. Actually, ear I think the, the elf ears are a little bit less aggressive than the people that like constantly wear a tail or, oh or God, the ears. Yes. <laughs> I knew someone in college who always wore like a fox or raccoon tail. I was like, yeah. what are you, what are you doing? But, but again, it's like, you know, you know, not my circus, yeah. not my monkeys. Whatever. Right. Dan, what's yours? Oh, my favorite fantastical race. Yeah. Um, it's tough. Oh, boy. Oh, Here it's like an seven answers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is this is like my turn to not really have an answer because I like a lot of them. Can can we both make guesses at what it might be? Sure, because I'm having a tough time pinning it down. So that might help me narrow it down. I was going to say dwarf. I have. 
My first thought was dwarf as well. No, no, not dwarf. I like I like dwarfs in most. He's gonna come up things. with something like so out of the ordinary <laughs> that I'm like I've never heard of that. I mean, probably That's what's gonna happen. An abyssal decahedron. Is that one of the? Sounds like one of those things that they're monsters in D and D that come from like the plane of like the lawful planes, and um, they look like machines, sort of. Oh, the mecha the. Me- <laughs> The mechanite or something like that. God mm, bless. Maybe not you. that one. They they're like there's like I think they're drones, mono drones, and duo drones. And, yeah, and they look some of them look like dice. Um, all like things. the little cube guys. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. I forget what they're called. Yeah, it starts with an M. Yeah, I'm not um, a fan of those. Not myconids because that's the mushroom people. Right. Those are okay. But um, no, the abyssal decahedron is actually um, something that gets brought in in one of the uh, Elite Eight Showdown uh, Patreon only episodes. Oh, nice. So, yeah, not, not dwarves. Are they green? I don't know. Are they going to? It's not. I don't have like one dead. I don't have one definite thing in mind. Not like last episode. I was like, my favorite, my favorite X-Man is Iceman. Done. Centaurs. This, oh, I do like centaurs. Uh, yeah. Or yeah. Minotaurs. Minotaurs are super cool. Yeah. That's why there's one in this story. <laughs> I definitely preferred like the monstrous races. Like you get a core rule book for, for an RPG like D and D or Pathfinder. And it's like, you can be a dwarf, an elf, a gnome, a halfling or a human. And I'm like, I don't want to do any of those. Right. And I want to be something I'm not. Different. That's like you just took a human and grabbed the corner on MS Paint and just made right? it a different size. Yeah. I want something different yeah. than that. So yeah. like Pathfinder 2 added goblins as a, a core race. I was yeah. like, yes, that's why I play a goblin in that game. I definitely prefer like the quote monstrous races. A Gith Yankee. They're really cool. A really Yankee, a Gith or Githzerai. Yeah. However you pronounce it. I knew you were going to pick something I'd never heard of. In D&D, my favorite is a Goliath. I want to play a Goliath really bad in D&D 5e. I mean. Because I like I like the, the big. They're like a big, strong orc, but different because they're not an orc. <laughs> yeah, they're just people. Kind of, but they're real like big and strong. Grayish. Yeah, they're yeah. just a really big dude. They're just the mountain. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Um, that's not really a race, though. It's just a big dude. No, that's a the Goliath is a race. Yeah, they're kind of rocky. They're not like covered in rocks, but they're like they have like grayer skin, I think. Yeah, and, for sure. And they're uh, they're very might is right kind of culture. Yeah. Prove yourself. They're very specifically in 3-5. They're how you broke most classes. Yeah, you play Goliath with a uh, the monkey grip feet and then he could wield like a something huge weapon size bigger than you because yeah, they could already stupid. wield something that was large as a yeah. medium that yeah, was stupid and if they were a monk Oof. your fists counted as one size bigger <laughs> so you were effectively punching with houses <laughs> that's dumb but yeah i i can't narrow it down to one definite one uh top three then what are your top three uh so goliath okay specifically from 5e merman no. Pronounced merman. Uh Rat Folk from Pathfinder 2, also known also known as Yosoki. Okay. That are also in Starfinder. Yeah. I might on an upcoming podcast on the network, I might play a Yosoki because I want to store things in my cheek pouches. Oh my god. Really excited oh, for that. I mean, they're more hamster people, right? I mean, they're called rat folk. Yeah. Uh, because rats can do that too, but it's a feat you can take at first level to to have cheek pouches and store things in your cheeks. And I think that's hilarious and awesome. Um, so just like rat people, I always really like Skaven from Warhammer rat people, yeah. but like super evil rat people. Um and then I've always liked orcs and half orcs. Oh. For sure. I think that's a good call. 
Yeah. The, the, I like the big dudes. I like the real big dudes or like, I want to be a little like the rat, the rat folk are a small size. So yeah. like, I like extremes, I guess. I don't want to play a human. I don't know if I've ever played a human. I mean, I've, sometimes you have to. Sometimes you roll a percentile and one through 95 are all human. It was one through 90. Yeah. But yeah, the only time I've ever played a human I can think of was WFRP in a game that Danny ran and I played a snot baller. That was awesome. <laughs> What's a snot baller? It's <laughs> exactly what you think it is. It's like it was similar to American. It was like rugby, but the ball was a snotling, which okay. is like an even smaller goblin. <laughs> Gotcha. You just like ball it up. Didn't you like put like a leather strap around it and use it as like chuck a flail? It. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was, it's horrific to think about it in the fantasy world of Warhammer. It kind of made sense because it's supposed to be like grim, dark sort of. It wasn't an official thing. It was a fan made class, but she let me do it anyway. And, uh, yeah. Well, you were, you were dating the GM. So that's true. Yeah, so yeah, not yeah, really a special training. Right. Um, I had to print it out this stuff. It was actually, they were made by a guy that worked for the company that made the fourth edition of WFRP for a while, Andy yeah. Law. Oh, okay. Made up a bunch of these different things. He commented on a post him. that I made and told me I was wrong. <laughs> In a good way, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> In a constructive way. We learn from it. Uh, but the snot baller, you take a snotling, which is like a little goblin, but like a foot tall. Okay. And you like... Oh, like a mite. <laughs> sort of, yeah. And you would like bind them so they were like all smushed together and like it's horrific and if that was a real world thing i would super be against it but it's a fantasy setting so who cares they're not real and they would use it like a rugby ball but yeah i just don't want to be a human uh, i completely uh agree with that particular sentiment i have to be a human every other day right <laughs> i want to be a human in a fantasy well, setting always there was um i was never part of this game but there was this lineage story that got told from one of my old D groups where if anyone um, wouldn't or forgot to name their character, they would always call him Blol. <laughs> and the, uh, the joke became like, oh, Blol's the level one human fighter. It was like the most <laughs> basic. You have nothing special. You're vanilla cake without sugar. Like, oh, I almost forgot. We're going to be doing a game with uh, Pathfinder 2 for a podcast with um, the free RPG day set called little trouble and big Absalom. We all play as kobolds and I can't wait for that. I love kobolds, little lizard people. So yeah, nice little, you know, turn the tables a little bit. I have a hard time coming up with an answer this time, which is ridiculous because I came up with the question. You think I'd have right? an answer ready, but I was just like, I don't really have an answer to this. Well, let's talk about it for a minute. Sure. Cause that's, you know, kind of the point of this thing. Yeah. It's a podcast. You know, we're talking, we're just talking, just talking. What else are we going to do? Oh, we could tell chapter 17 called realizations i mean i guess we could do that's kind of like our job right (laughs) (laughs) tim's gonna gonna do the wind sound for us (laughs) we'll leave that to sirenscape (laughs) yay sirenscape took my job (laughs) (laughs) i do want to talk about something that's coming up in the near future as a bonus for patrons yeah or big fiction energy yeah uh, Tim has brought it up in the past as a joke. We decided we're actually going to do it. I just need to create it first. Is we're going to hear more about Jork, his story. Are you messing with me? Oh my god! <laughs> I wish we had cameras. <laughs> I know the look on Tim's, Tim's face is so like, oh my gosh, excited. I'm like apprehensive. I'm like waiting for just someone to cold cock me in the side of the face or something. Like, <laughs> oh, we got you there. Oh wait, we can. He's dead. Oh, no, but, like we're going to um, learn more about Jork. 
and how he died. Oh. <laughs> no, not that. I wrote mean. 23 chapters on his eternal organs failing as he slowly <laughs> bled out on the floor. <laughs> I think we all know I'm not that kind of writer. But no, we, we something I've been uh, mulling over for a while. Like I said, Tim brought it up kind of as a joke, but I think it'd be a really cool thing to do. I don't joke about Jork. <laughs> right. After we're done, uh, after, we're, after the podcast is finished, we've done episode 20. It'll be a, a Patreon-only exclusive episode about Jork's past. How'd he come to own this bar? How did he How lose did he his lose his spine? Yeah. All right. Yep. <laughs> I'm yep. excited. We were talking about the other day on a walk, me and Danny, and I was thinking, I was like, I feel like I want to, I kind of want to make it for Tim as a surprise. I was like, but if we made this episode and he didn't get to voice Jork throughout Jork's story, he'd be really, I think he'd be more upset than excited about it. I would yes. be upset. He's spaghetti for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, but if we have a whole story based on Jork, I'm, I think he'd be okay with that. Not it'd be a surprise that we're doing it at all. Yeah. So reader or listeners found out kind of with Tim. Yeah. yeah. Obviously the episode comes out after we've recorded it, but you get to hear his reaction Too bad he couldn't see it because no cameras, but you know, go to patreoncom slash professional casual to be a patron and we support us to, to get cameras and do things with video down the line. And then you can get that extra bonus episode. And we are, we are very close. We have gotten, um, we're very thankful for our current patrons and yeah. you know, we're not far off. This is something that is very realistic for us to be able to add in the near future um, with, you know, support from you guys. And like on a very real level, I'm looking forward to it because then it kind of would hold me to a certain level of accountability where I can't just look like a microwaved potato every day. Like if we're doing video, <laughs> I should maybe like take the tinfoil off at least before you microwave. <laughs> at you, know? Least, <laughs> you know, maybe a microwave potato. Wash that's what my you face. think of yourself? That's so mean to yourself. Hey, who doesn't love potatoes? It's hearty. It's super quick. And you get to stab it a whole bunch yep. before you put it yep. in so it doesn't explode. Throw some uh, <laughs> butter and sour cream on it when you're done. Girl, it's delicious. <laughs> I'm saying on the inside, I'm great. On the outside, I'm looking real rough since quarantine started. I mean, who hasn't? Oh, my God. It's bad. <laughs> All right. Well, before... um. You can go jump on there and become a patron just so we can thank you a whole bunch of times. Listen to chapter 17 realizations. Brutus was on a cliff's edge. The wind was whipping, blowing his mane in every direction. He looked down at himself and saw he was dressed in traditional minotaur armor. The same Toro was wearing. He held the heavy Kanabo. Far below, jutting rocks and a seemingly endless barren plain stretched out. In both directions from him, the cliff continued, encircling the plain. The place was dark. Heavy clouds hung overhead and everything was cast in a dark blue hue. Lightning crackled far above in the clouds, their thunder a mere whisper beneath the whipping winds. The windscape, Brutus said to himself in awe. He had heard of this place, but never imagined it actually existed. The Windscape was said to be a place that was inhospitable to everything except the absolute toughest monsters in the world. Something about the area, hundreds of square kilometers, made the wind ever blow. It is said that it used to be a vast desert, but the winds eventually blew all the sand to the rest of the world. Sand and the wind resulted in all the surfaces within the Windscape being weathered bare and smooth. Brutus saw now that some sand still existed, even up on the cliff's edge looking into the Windscape. He could feel sand getting trapped in his eyelashes and beginning to clog his wet nose. Sand flew up his nose and he breathed and Brutus snorted to get it out. <laughs> Hundreds of meters below, something shifted. 
What Brutus thought was a jagged rock outcrop a moment ago turned and lifted a head on the end of a long neck. The creature was dark blue-gray and blended in with the surrounding rock perfectly. The thing was far away, but obviously huge, likely 20 meters long. The monster looked directly at Brutus and roared, spittle flying from its massive maw. The head of the creature seemed to be all mouth, a tiny face with eyes Brutus could not see from up here sat above the thing's maw. Brutus heard the bellowing roar even over the whipping wind and was impressed with the thing below him. He gave it no thought, though, as he was perfectly safe where he was. A sound from behind forced Brutus to turn around. Running towards the cliff's edge was a small group of humans chased by marauders, eerily similar to the ones Brutus fought days ago. The Minotaur immediately took off sprinting toward the marauders. He knew they were tough and strong, but he... But there was no leader like Madagaluega with them. He felt confident with his new weapon he could best three marauders. Brutus stomped towards the bots, his hooves gouging deep furrows in the soft earth at the edge of the windscape. The bots saw or heard him coming. They turned their heads toward him, but kept chasing the group of four humans. Brutus saw now that he was closer that the humans were a family. It's an older man and woman and two children, around ten years old. The humans reached the edge and huddled together. The marauders caught up with them in seconds. Father stepped forwards to try to block them, but he was cut down on one swipe of the marauder's sword arm. Brutus smashed into the bots just as they had brought up their swords to cut the mother apart. As Kanabo crashed the first bot to pieces, the heavy studded weapon made a mockery of the bot's old and corroded metal parts. The other two acknowledged his presence now and attacked. Kanabo worked well as a defensive weapon. Its thickness and studs didn't allow the bot's swords to penetrate his guard. Brutus backed one bot from the family, but the other was able to slip around the reach of the weapon towards the humans. Brutus frantically tried to keep the machine away from people, but the open area was not the most defensible place, and the bot got around to the shrieking humans. Again, the adult got between the robot and the children, and the mother was struck down as easily as the father. The children were screaming and weeping in terror. Brutus took a deep cut on his shoulder to get inside the guard of the bot and smashed its head from its shoulders with a vicious headbutt. He spun on his hoof to face the last bot, but it was too late. The children and the bot were gone. Cass ran through the woods, completely lost. The terror of the ogre began to fade as she ran through the thick underbrush. Twigs whipped her face as she ran, and she felt a small cut across her cheek open and bleed. She was breathing hard, the moist air coming in ragged gasps. The air smelled as well, foul odor coming from everywhere and nowhere at once, but Cass hardly noticed and kept running. She continued running until she went over a small embankment and splashed into shallow, muddy water. She found the source of the smell. Cass lifted her face out of the stinking bog, Blobs of peat and soil plopping back into the dank water. She retched, but nothing came up. She sat in cold water for a moment, noticing the quiet around her. The ogre wasn't following her anymore. She was safe. But where was she? Cass looked around. The area was not familiar. They hadn't come this way on their trek to set. The smell was powerful. The decaying matter under her in the bog was a unique smell Cass couldn't remember experiencing before. She made her way to her feet, stumbling a few times on the moving ground. The bog was a strange place, a layer of mud and mosses floating on top of water filled with dirt and other organic matter. She finally got to her feet in a relatively stable spot of land when she heard a voice coming from somewhere near her. What do we have here? A human has fallen into my bog. Must be my feeding day. Brutus looked around in every direction. The children and bot were gone, but he was still at the windscape. The other two bots he had destroyed were still there. He walked to the edge of the cliff and looked down. He saw the glint of metal pieces scattered about the bottom. The marauder at least had fallen down and smashed to bits. He scanned around for the children, or blood, or something to tell him they were where they went. 
He was glad he didn't see any blood, but then he heard it. A small cry from below, and he saw the sandy hair of one of the children slowly crawl out from underneath a rock. Brutus looked at the cliff. There was no way those kids were going to climb out. But maybe if he went down, they could find something together. Brutus found an area a few meters away where it wasn't quite so sheer and slid down to the woodscape, hoping he wouldn't regret this too much. Brutus managed to slide down his backside most of the way. The cliff had been worn so smooth by the winds that it was like glass and Brutus slid faster and faster. He tried to use his tough hooves to slow himself, but managed to send his large body toppling end over end for the last 10 meters or so. He landed at the bottom in a crumpled heap, the air rushing out of his lungs. His shoulder ached. The wound the bot gave him above was bleeding freely. He slowly got to his feet and saw the two children running away from him. Oh, come now, he thought. I can't be that scary. A huge glob of some thick, warm liquid fell onto his shoulder. The stuff was sticky and stringy. Brutus looked up, and his view was filled by the maw of the creature he saw from earlier. Oh, that's what they're running from. He sighed and turned to face the monster, readying his canabo. Cass drew her sword, the scabbard making a sickening, sucking sound as the blade came free. Show yourself. I'm not afraid of you. Cass shouted at something she couldn't see. Now where's the fun in that? Cass noticed now the voice was coming from different places each time. She whipped her head around trying to find the source. She fell again, face first into the brackish water as something crashed into her from behind. Too slow, human. Too slow. The voice taunted her as she coughed muck up. You'll be part of my bog soon enough. I love the tender flesh of human, but it's been so long. That was when Cass finally saw her tormentor. The thing must have been a primal, but Cass had never seen one like it. It was the largest primal she'd ever seen, easily three times her size, larger even than Brutus. The thing was green and skeletal. Its arms were segmented into three parts that ended in wicked sights. Below those were four legs that hung limply. Behind its arms in the middle body section spreaded four membranous wings that held it aloft almost silently. The head was bulbous with huge multifaceted eyes, long antennae and large snapping mandibles that looked ready to tear flesh from limbs. The voice it produced dripped in malice and hunger. My tribute is late this moon. Seems you are it. The thing said as it hovered above her. I have yet to see the presenter of gifts. Where is the one called Bren? Bren? That little beastie gives you gifts? Why, yes. Bren was chosen by the colony to keep Religlio sated. That lying sneak? Cash shouted, forgetting the danger she was in. I'll wring his neck. He did take Ronan. Was that to be my next meal? Yes, I was sent here to tell you Bren was going to be late with the offering. Cass said, her brain spinning, a small plan forming as she spoke it. He caught a mighty warrior that would make a meal for a lifetime, the Wanderer Ronin. I have heard of this human. I would very much like to consume him. Go, tell Bren to delay my meal no longer, or else he shall join my feast. I can only wait another two days. Then... I will come looking for my meal. Yes, oh great, Religlio. Cass said, hoping flattery would help. I only request one thing. The monstrous insect primal landed on the bog, his weight hardly shifting the beat. I am not one to grant favors, but I am curious what a human would ask me. Which way is the colony? The 
The monstrosity bellowed a deafening roar at Brutus, spittle covering the Minotaur. His face was covered, but he only had time to swipe it away with one hand before the thing was lunging at him. The teeth clamped down inches from his head as Brutus dodged out of the way. The saliva of the thing stung his right eye, so he kept it closed as he swung his new weapon before the beast could rear its head back. The Kanabo connected with the monster's jaw and the teeth splintered and broke. The Kanabo held together, but two studs flew off, damaging the weapon slightly. Brutus stepped back and tried to wipe his eye clean, but it hurt, and removing the saliva from his face did nothing to make his eye feel better. He shrugged and readied himself to dodge the next lunge. He was ready when it came, and the beast tried again. Brutus repeated his step, but the monster was smarter than Brutus expected. The bite was followed by a lash of the thing's tail that took Brutus off his feet and sent the Kanabo out of his grip. The Minotaur crashed into a rocky outcrop and crumpled to the ground. Sure, a rib was broken at least. The monster stomped towards him and roared again, sending ropes of saliva at Brutus. This time he covered his face with arms and squeezed his eyes, mouth, and nose closed as tight as he could. Once the roar stopped, Brutus opened his one eye and saw the monster's jaw coming towards him. He accepted his fate. He had tried to save the children. Maybe it was foolish. He had found a foe beyond his abilities and would fall in battle. At least that's something to be proud of. He knew he was going to join the Void and hoped that he would learn more of his ancestors there. The monster's leering maw shot down at the injured minotaur. The teeth flashed white and covered in spittle. The breath was horrendous like the smell of rotten fish and vinegar. Brutus waited, but the jaws never closed on his broken body. The teeth never punctured his furred skin. He was amazed when an even larger monster snapped its jaws in the neck of the one about to eat him. A new surge of adrenaline ran through his body. He could survive. He used all the energy he had left to get up and get behind the rock he crashed into. Hopefully the larger monster wouldn't notice a small minotaur when it had this huge meal. Brutus snatched up his kanabo and limped his way around the rock. He now noticed his hip was injured as well. <sighs> Shoulder, eye, rib, hip. He thought to himself, oh, better to have those hurt than to be eaten. He risked a look around the rock and saw the two titanic monsters now battling amid the howling winds. In the dark distance, he saw a third, even larger beast coming towards them. He turned around and saw the two children standing behind him, tears falling down their cheeks. The winds weren't so bad here in the cover of the rock. Are you two all right? Brutus asked, wiping his hands at his face absentmindedly. Who are, are you? you? The two replied in unison. Remembering this was part of his mantra, Brutus took a moment before he answered. I am Brutus, the protector, he said after thinking about what he had done while on his journey. He blinked and instead of being in the windscape, he was back on the grassy plains by the old tree. You have learned, Taro said, patting Brutus on the shoulder. Instantly, the pain in his shoulder, hip, and side vanished. Thank you, Taro. Brutus lowered his head to his ancestor. I have learned much about myself and our past. I know now that we are a proud warrior people, but we fight not only to fight, but to protect those that cannot protect themselves. You are correct. You have lived your life with the values of Minotaurs at the forefront without even knowing it. You could be the best of us all, for I see great things in you. Brutus rubbed at his eyes. It still burned and he couldn't open it. Knowledge does not always come without sacrifice, though. Although you survived your trials, you will be a changed Minotaur when you return to the world, in many ways. Brutus forced his eye to open, but his vision did not change. I cannot see out of this eye. Toro looked sadly at Brutus. Sacrifices have to be made. Cast jogged through the forest back to set. The light was fading from the sky and she couldn't risk running too fast without fear of tripping. The strange creature she met in the bog was long behind her, and she hoped she never had to encounter the monstrous thing again. Surprisingly, Religlio did give Cass simple directions to get back to Set. Apparently the thing had to deal with some members of the colony, as it called Set. 
to bring a monthly offering to ensure Religlio didn't feed wantonly on the members of the town. Kes had no idea how Bren and the others chose their offering, and she didn't really want to find out. She was determined to tell Lord Mel as soon as she returned, though. That and find out where Rona was being kept, of course. It took Kes nearly an hour walking through the dark woods to finally reach the edge. Across the plain, she saw the walls of set. The glow of fires reflected off low clouds in the night. She was elated seeing the safety of the town, till she realized something was wrong. There were too many fires. The glow in the night was too bright. The area around the gate was lit up like a bonfire. She got closer, she heard shouts in the claim. As she got closer, she heard shouts in the clamor of battle. Once she got close enough, she could probably make out what was going on. Set was under attack by the ogre. Whoa. 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 Wow. So is Religlio a praying mantis? Yes. Okay. Just enormous. Praying mantis primal. Right. Well, for whatever reason, it's huge. But a, but a big one. Yeah. It's not wearing khakis. <laughs> so she's like a proto primal. Proto primal. Yeah. Aren't they, aren't, doesn't proto just mean bigger? Proto usually means like, like prototype, like earlier like version first, of. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. So like proto humans are generally bigger than humans, right? Like early evolution humans weren't, they weren't, not, they weren't usually bigger. Oh. They typically were, their bodies were more about the muscles than the brain. Thick. Yeah. They were thick. They weren't typically bigger though, because like nutrition has gotten so much better is the main reason why humans are larger now. Gotcha. Because we eat. So really better. You could say that we're all like twice the size as cavemen. So we could probably beat up a bunch of cavemen. I don't know if we go twice the size. Probably like three or four times the size. I could totally take a caveman. Yeah. I mean, but they were stronger than us probably because they were more. Oh, but they're smaller, which means they're weaker. (laughs) Evolutionarily, they'd be more similar to what we evolved from, which is, you know, probably something similar to chimps, which are strong, way stronger than they look. Gotcha. Um, I've always been a fan of chunks personally, like chocolate chunk over chocolate chimps. <laughs> I thought you were talking about chunk from the Goonies. Oh, I'm a huge fan of chunk from the Goonies. <laughs> but yeah, Religio is a praying mantis primal. And I decided that just because an insect is small doesn't mean the primal version has to be real small yeah. either. So I was like, why not make it big? And like, he's not like stories tall or anything like that. I imagine him like six or seven feet tall. Like has, what is that in meters? Like more than two. Oh, okay. <laughs> more than two, but less than 70 meters are stupid. <laughs> was it between one and 700 was yeah. your big thing? Yes. In one episode. Well, compared to Cass, she's not like a large human. She's taller than Lanny, but Lanny's like five feet tall. Cass is like right. five, five. So like this thing could be six feet tall and seem quite large. Still, I think that that's yeah. certainly the way to do primals of teeny tiny races. Is that, you know, what's, what's the difference? Oh, it's twice the size of a normal praying mantis. Oh man, it'll take two stomps to defeat it. <laughs> yeah, right? Like other one, like Vuli was a small, as a fox primal, he was small. He would be shorter than Lanny was. Right. Um, like if, if it was like D&D, he'd be a small creature, uh, but not everything. I, did, I figured, I don't see why everything had to follow that plan. Yeah, like, I like that. I dig it. It's, it's big. So I like it's it. big enough that it's a threat to the town. Yeah. Like if they were to fight it, it would kill a few people at least before they took it down kind of thing. So somehow it made a, a deal with Bren and some and others 
that they just give it sacrifices instead of it just coming and eating whatever it wants. Sounds like Bran is trying to protect everyone. Sounds like <laughs> Bran is probably the savior of Seth. I knew that you would like Bran. Yeah. Seems like Every your time. kind of character. You know what I mean? He helps Minotaurs. He threatens little girls with knives. Like, <laughs> like little girls who are real sassy. Yeah. You know, it's not like she was like, I'm going to the store to buy a lollipop. And he was like, give me your candy. Like, right. you know, no, he's was, not a bad guy. No, he, she was going for her sword. He, yeah, she was going for her sword. It was she's tight. obviously has the face of someone that's cut someone else's face before for no reason. <laughs> yeah. So he probably was on the defense. I think it's been a while since he brought that up. Yeah. Lanny is a Lanny is a face cutter. <laughs> she sure is. I can't I can't she deny sees that. Face, she happens. cuts it. We talked on a recent episode of Elite Eight Showdown about how the story um had really picked up and was action and things were happening, people were dying and and Charlie was uh completely taken aback and he's like Maybe I have to read this now. I was like, dude, she stabbed someone's face in like chapter two. She's a face stabber. And he's like, I thought this was like a, a young adult thing. He's like, yeah, you can have violence in young adults, bud. This, uh-huh. is, this, is, a good, this is a good book, bud. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. Only, every time I've listened to the showdown so far, Charlie just is like, yeah, Dan, we, have Dan BFE, <laughs> we have big fiction energy. I guess Dan reads a book. <laughs> funny. It's like, oh, that's not oh, all it is. It fits in the context of, <laughs> of that particular show. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think the the story has like a slow start. No, it, Not, it doesn't like other things I've read. Obviously. It's just, it really picks up. It really ramps up at a certain point. Right. And um, that, that's how I want it to go. Is that like, as she gets further from the city and things are happening and like, she does it's less a dangerous stabbing. place. Not like you're spending weeks in Gaul, you know, her going to school and stuff. It's, she's jumping off a building. She's stabbing girls in the face. She's pretending to be, you know, a ogroided goblin to sneak out of the city. <laughs> ogroided goblin. Yeah. <laughs> ogroided. You're going to get ogroided. You get the ogroid rage. <sighs> Sounds like a vlog I just did recently for ogroid the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so Cass met Religlio, found out what's going on there. Um, Brutus so, is the protector. But Brutus is kind of discovering himself there, which yep. is something that like he's always acted this way. Right. But it's never he's never like thought of himself as the protector. Like he got a job as a bounty hunter, essentially, whose job it was was to be this person's bodyguard. Right. And that was his job. But Toro says that like. You have been living the life that Minotaurs that like traditionally we've done without even knowing that. And it's like something instilled in you. Nature versus nurture, you know, pretty much. Yeah. In this case. That's pretty cool. I think so. Very primal. (laughs) That's one reason why I called them that trying to come up with a good name and really, really early drafts of this when I was coming up with the fantasy world, like when I was like a teenager. They were called demis because they were like half human, half animal. And I it was kind of like a placeholder name. I never really liked it. I think primal fits a lot better because demi has a whole bunch of other connotations that would, you know, are these going to take a percentage of my health as a gravity <laughs> spell? <laughs> I was like, are you, are you going with the Final Fantasy demi? Yes, he is. I had, there was a lot of different options and I decided on that one. <laughs> But yeah, I like the term prime. I think Danny helped me come up with that term. I don't remember if you were the primogenitor of that. Give me the credit. Word. Give me. You certainly help. 
we probably talked about it one time and that term came up at some point and we both decided it worked really well. Danny did it. Oh, thank you. That was Dan just admitting that it was me. Oh, okay. I, I dig it in like a house and set. <laughs> <laughs> or most of them at least. Yeah. The Minotaurs don't live underground. Yeah, I dig it like a room that would make Lanny incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> nice. Um, so what do you guys think of this is, I think, the only chapter that doesn't actually have Lanny in it. It was just following Brutus and Cass. I like that you took that... I don't want to call it a risk, but I feel like as an author to have a chapter that is void of your main character. Nice. Void, is she in the void? I feel like that's always a, a gamble and a risk. Like, have you developed these satellite or tertiary characters enough that they can carry the chapter without her? And I think absolutely like Brutus alone, I think, could carry a chapter on his own probably two like in a backpack easy right he carry a big shoulder. bag all the time yeah yeah he does have a lot of cool stuff going on in this one yes we fight some more marauders there's giant monsters we learn about the windscape there's always a bigger fish yes yeah. I, it was really hard not to just say that while reading it there's always yeah. a bigger fish because <laughs> that's exactly yeah. what that's inspired by <laughs> yeah just they're big walking monsters instead of fish yeah chomp there's always a bigger walking fish <laughs> Step softly and carry a walking fish. <laughs> um, no, I, I think Danny made a really good point. Obviously, the characters are fleshed out and, and developed enough that they can, in fact, exist on their own without the, the main character there. Mm. So I find it weird when I say I like this thing that happened as the author. Like, I should probably like everything that happened. But I really like what happens with Cass there where, like, she thinks up a plan, like, as she's saying it. Right. To try to trick this thing. Like, she's definitely, like, on her feet doing it you know what i mean right she thinks on her feet that's a big part of her character is that she can come up with this stuff so quickly like Lanny in that situation we're just drawing her sword and attack that well yeah she would have fought it (laughs) right absolutely (laughs) pretty much certainly yeah to give it the old face stab yep (laughs) she's got a sword now at least so yeah a better chance but a little bit more reach (laughs) yes compared to a dagger for sure but yeah, and instead, Cass is like, she sizes that thing up and says, I can't, you know, she thinks like, I can't fight this thing. It's got two big like blade arms as a praying mantis, but they're like actual like sights. Right. So she that's really talks cool. with it instead. Like she tries to have some bravado with the whole like, I'm not afraid of you. And then Religio is like, well, I'm going to eat you then. She's like, well, like, okay. what can I do? And then it talks about Bren and then she immediately turns that. Yeah. Um, I tried to make it obvious that like she, it was just like, as she was like, didn't even realize she was coming with the plan. She was just saying these things and it made sense to her. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, uh, Brent sent me. And again, you did a really nice job of making it sound like she was coming up with it on the spot. Thank like, you. Wasn't classically trained voice actor. Right. We got some good actors here. Tim and I, like we will be sending you our, our bill and you can pay that whenever. Are you talking to yeah. big Chuck? Because he takes care of all that. <laughs> oh, billing goes through Big Chuck? Okay. Yes. I'll make uh, sure to. That means I'm paying up. for it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang it. Yeah, if you haven't been listening to Elite Eight Showdown, don't do it with kids. But do not <laughs> no. do it with kids. No. This show is pretty much clean. That is not. <laughs> it is a very not clean show. It's probably the uncleanest show we have. Certainly on the network. By God. leaps and bounds. Yeah. By a lot. Uh, speaking of, uh, most likely within the next couple of weeks of this episode airing, uh, there will be special guest episodes. One with Dan uh, from this show. 
and also one with Danny from this show. (laughs) I love guest starring on stuff. It's like so free, you know, it's like, I don't know. I don't have responsibilities. I don't really have to prep. I can just show up. Yeah. Right. Oh, what's that like? Not prepping for a podcast. I know. (laughs) Well, I really don't have to prep either for Grim Podcast of Perilous Adventure. So that's kind of nice. But now. Yeah. So I'm really excited for you to be running an RPG show because then I won't have to prep for that. Yeah. I can just show up and be my character, whatever it might be. Here's the fun thing, though, is that what Dan doesn't know is that when I'm prepping for the Lost Omens podcast, which is Pathfinder 2E, um, He's going to have to answer all my questions. So he I mean, is true. prepping. I don't yeah. mind that, though. I don't mind helping yeah. for sure. I, we, I did briefly consider being the GM for that show as well. And I was like, I, I just can't do that much. Yeah, that's too but much. Now that, you know, B- Big Fiction Energy is wrapping up for this book. Be done with it for a while, probably. I still have to finish writing Laney 2 anyway before we can do that. Yeah. It'll be a while. It'll be a, a, a a hiatus. Yeah, that's yeah. a good word for it. A hiatus for a little while until season two, book two. I'm excited for us to have that hiatus because that's one of my 11th graders vocab words. And right <laughs> now, my best real world example of hiatus, a brief gap or opening or a break is Michael Strahan's teeth. <laughs> I always give that example for my students and they all know who Michael Strahan is. So mm. but now I can say like our podcast is on a hiatus so that Dan can finish writing the second book. Right. Another good one you could use is Paul F. Tompkins. I don't know who that is. Also has a, a gap. Yeah. I was going to see him in a lot of stuff. You'd recommend probably him. once you show me a picture, I'm sure I'll know who you're talking about, but the comic saga by Brian K. Vaughn uh-huh. and Fiona Staples. Love that. Comic. They would do six issues and take a two month break. Um, and that way Staples always had time to keep up on the art. Right. And he said he, we did that because he didn't want the artist to be rushed. I vaguely recognize him. He didn't want the artist to be rushed and re- reduce the quality of the artwork. He wanted to make sure they had plenty of time. How long of a hiatus are they taking now, though? So a while ago, they went on a hiatus after issue like 60 or something for two years. Wow. He like wanted, That's a real high hiatus. Yeah. Not two months, which was already rough. Every time that happened, I was like, oh, man, I got to wait two. I got to wait three months till the next book. He said two years. That's crazy. Because like you want to take a creative break. Um, Fiona Staples wanted to do other projects and things like that. So like he didn't want to have a bunch of different artists on this book. Like he has in the past, he has a lot more control over this than he has in other things that he's done. So they were taking a two year hiatus. I don't remember when it started. So I don't know when it's done, Right. but like COVID hit like in the middle of that. So who knows if that's going to change things. I think they did all their stuff kind of remotely anyway, because right. Fiona Staples artwork is all digital anyway. So there's another thing you can use for hiatus. Saga went on a two-year hiatus. Hiatus. I'm sad. I want it back. That's a bummer. But yeah, so this will be this podcast will be going on hiatus, but not yet. We have three more episodes after this one. Yeah. We got chapters 18, 19, 20, and then the bonus Patreon, epi- at least one episode. Jork story. Of the jork to see. Is that like a legacy? Odyssey. Jork- Odyssey. Yeah. Space Odyssey. Um, there's there's got to be a better word for it. <laughs> Jork should go to space. The trilogy, the trajorkery. No, that's like trajectory. The ep- the jork. Oh, like an epilogue, but jork. Yeah. Okay. The jork. The jork jorkalog. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> or the, what about pro jork, like prologue? Because it's all yeah. It could be the jorkalog, and that could be either or. The jorkalog. Oh, that's true. Oh, okay. Okay. Jorkalog. <laughs> that's ridiculous. 
But yeah, if you want to get access to that when it comes out, you're going to have to be a patron. Patreon.com slash professional casual. I do want to say that unfortunately Tim's predictions were wrong again. Cass is not dead. But we don't know about the rest of the stuff you said about Brutus becoming a pacifist and everything. That could still be true. Right. He could be a pacifier too. A protector pacifier? Yeah. I think that's what I meant. So is he the stuffed animal that people tie to their kids' pacifiers so that they don't lose it as easily? No, they they dry age him so that he (laughs) does not retain moisture and they actually use him like as as like a binky, a little bird (laughs) binky. It's disturbing. Yeah. Oh my God. Where can people check out this episode? Oh, so if you head on down to the Frying Dutchman and say hello to Captain Horatio McAllister, um, you know, enjoy your fill of seafood. But after the last incident, there is no more all you can eat buffet because it almost closed the store down when that one guy came and ate all the food time after time after time. So there's no more all you can eat buffet at the Frying Dutchman. That's unfortunate. Yeah. How about you rock over Berlin? Rock on Dallas. Every kiss begins with ocean spray. for listening and go ahead and check out all of our other great shows available from the professional casual network including the space between presents which is a deep dive into docu-series including season one where we covered tiger king season two where we covered jeffrey epstein filthy rich and season three where we're currently covering mcmillions we also have the lost omens podcast our new actual play that's coming soon where we're playing pathfinder second edition we also have Big Fiction Energy, our audio drama podcast in which we tell the story of Lanny, the girl without fear, featuring sirenscape sound effects and music. The Grim Podcast of Perilous Adventure is our Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay actual play podcast, where we play through the enemy within campaign and try to survive the perils of the old world. We also have Elite Age Showdown, where host Big Chuck takes an eight-team bracket that could be about anything and everything and pits them against each other. We also have The Space Between which is a deep dive podcast on the best video games, comics, and movies of today and yesteryear. Last, we have Professionally Asked, Casually Answered, an advice podcast where we take questions from you, our listeners and patrons, and try not to completely ruin your life. You can submit questions through any of the following places. Hit us up on Instagram, The Professional Casual, our Email address is theprofessionalcasual at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at Top Tier Casual. Facebook is facebook.com slash professional casual. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash professional casual. And our website is professionalcasual.com. 